Welcome to the Cowboys Beat audio podcast, streaming live on the Cowboys Beat Podcast Network, where we talk about everything related to America's team. Prescott got a carry. And reach, flip, sets up first and goal at the... Hosted by none other than Chris K. Third and seven, blitz coming, Prescott in trouble, lofting it to the corner. You may know him from his work on TikTok, but now he's taking over the podcasting world. We're not here just to take part, we're here to take over. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Cowboys Beat Audio Podcast. Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Cowboys Beat Podcast for August 11, 2023. And on today's episode, we're going to be going over the Cowboys versus Jaguars preseason game. We're going to be previewing that. I also want to touch on something when it comes to Dak Prescott's extension. And I also want to talk about the tight ends a little bit here. But before we get into the episode, if you guys haven't already and you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to like the video as well. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you may be listening to this at, please make sure to leave a five-star review and and uh, follow the show. That would be greatly appreciated. Let's get some more reviews in uh, in here, guys. All it takes is for you to go on to your podcast provider, whether it be Apple Podcasts or, or Spotify or whatever it may be. And you don't even need to write a uh, long extended review. Just press that five-star button and, and it would really help out the podcast. So if you guys could do that, I would greatly appreciate it. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. So I want to get into Doc Prescott's potential extension that he might be signing this offseason. Nick Wright made a great point about this. He talked about this on First Things First. I want to play the soundbite for you guys real quick and then react to it. Said, but I also think this is a sneaky, massive story about what's going to happen with Dak and the Cowboys moving forward for this reason, this reason alone. They can't franchise tag him again. They've already done it twice, and it's in his contract. It can't be done. So why does that matter? He's got two years left on his deal. If he's awesome this year, mm-hmm. he is going to get this next offseason far and away the biggest and best contract in NFL history because he's going to be able to be a true and clear, untaggable free agent mm-hmm. at 31 years old at the quarterback position, or 32 years old at the point that you get there, at the quarterback position. What's the quarterback who every time he has signed a contract, we've said, my God, it's fully guaranteed, and he has got all, it's Kirk Cousins. Why? Because he's untaggable. Because right. Washington tagged him a couple times. It's essentially impossible to tag guy a third time. Dak literally has it in his contract they can't tag him. So if he's really good this year, he is going to be able to ask for anything he wants with the threat of, I can sign, be a f- true free agent a-, a year after next. And so I think what's on the line is if they do what I think they might be able to do, which is make that NFC championship game for the first time in 27 years, if not the first Super Bowl in oh. the same amount of time. I mean, you're t- looking at your first $60 million a year player in Dak Prescott. And so I think that's what's on the line here because what Dak's agent, t- I think it's Todd France, uh, was fighting for, if you remember their previous negotiations, was the length of time and the no tag clause, and they got that. So that's why this is already a story with two years left on his deal. Isn't it crazy to hear somebody that like actually knows what they're talking about 
Because like whenever Doc Prescott's last extension got talked about, they're like, they didn't want to pay him the money. They didn't believe in him. He folded in big games, so the Jones didn't want to pay him. No, it's because they disagreed on the length of time for the contract, and like Nick Wright said, and the no tag clause. So uh, it, it's just, it feels good to hear somebody on the national media actually provide uh, the proper analysis when it comes to that. But uh, he said a lot of things in there that were interesting. If I'm advising Dak Prescott and I'm his agent, I'm telling him about the idea about, hey, go out there, be as good as we think that you can be, be as good as you think you can be, and go out there and then next offseason, sign an extension. Wait for Trevor Lawrence, wait for potentially Justin Fields, because apparently Justin Fields is some great quarterback. Uh, he's some great quarterback who's going to be in the MVP conversation this year. I mean, I've never seen uh, a quarterback get more undeserved praise in my entire life, but that is what it is. Wait for the quarterbacks next season to go get their extensions. And then when they sign, sign after them. Because at that point, you'll be you'll be getting a contract after other quarterbacks have reset the market again. Like the, the contracts for quarterbacks this past season were huge. But if you wait till next uh, offseason, Trevor Lawrence is going to get a big deal. Wait till Trevor Lawrence signs his contract and then go sign your contract, especially if the Cowboys can do what I think they can do. I think that this team can win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they will win the Super Bowl. I'm saying they can win the Super Bowl. They have that type of roster. That's how good this team is. So if Dak Prescott goes out there and plays at an elite level and wins the Super Bowl for the Cowboys, no doubt about it. He's going to be touching close to $300 million per year. And I know there's going to be a Dak hater right now that's like, don't pay him the money. Are you trying to tell me if he plays at an elite level and wins the Super Bowl for this team, you would be uncomfortable paying him that type of money? You would not. And, and Nick Wright was right on the money here when he talked about Dak Prescott, if he doesn't sign an extension and he goes through that year with the $60 million cap hit and then hits the uh, free agency market, teams are going to be lining up to sign this guy and they're going to pay him a boatload of money. It's not just your team that wants to pay him a lot of money. There are other teams out there that want to pay this guy a bunch of money because he's a really damn good quarterback. Okay. The league does not lie. They would pay this guy big money. Okay, so that's one thing that we have to take into consideration when it comes to this contract extension. It takes two sides to tango. The Cowboys are perfectly fine with extending Dak Prescott because they know they're going to do it. Matter of fact, if they could have, I'm sure that they've already had contract talks or they've been looking to have contract talks with Dak Prescott all offseason. This isn't a money thing. The parameters for these uh, quarterback contracts are already out there. All you have to do is go to the table. Okay, this is what uh, Justin Herbert got paid. This is what we want to get paid. We want to reset the market. Or when Joe Burrow gets paid, because I, I, I've been saying I don't think Dak resigns until Joe Burrow signs his contract with the Bengals. Because if I'm Dak, why am I going to resign with you guys when, one, I have two years left on my contract? Two, all these other young quarterbacks are getting their money. I'm going to wait till all of them get their money and then I'll get my money. It makes the most amount of sense. Like that's what makes sense for Dak Prescott. But again, the 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 idea of him betting on himself and being as good as we think he can be or being as good as he thinks he can be, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Because if he is, yeah, he's going to be touching that $300 million range. And, you know, uh, 
going back to you know the two to tango situation, I don't think Dak Prescott wants to sign right now. Why, why would you? Why would you want to sign right now if you're Dak Prescott? Wait till these quarterbacks reset the market. You have two years left on your contract. If I'm Dak Prescott, I'm sitting back, relaxing. And here's the thing as well. Like, yes, the Cowboys can create cap space for uh, uh, future seasons if they were to extend Dak Prescott right now. But here's the thing. You don't have to get under the salary cap for 2024-2025 until the the beginning of that league year or 2025-2026 or the following years. You don't have to get under the salary cap for that year until that year. So they could re-sign CeeDee Lamb to big money right now even with that that $60 million cap hit that's coming down the line for Dak Prescott, and they don't have to worry about getting under the cap until that year. They can re-sign all these guys and then worry about getting under the cap when they have to worry about it. Uh, But a lot of that's going to have to do with Dak Prescott signing a new deal. So, you know, it's a very interesting conversation. And look, I I, I kind of agree with Nick Wright uh, here. If I'm Dak... I'm hanging out and I'm saying, yeah, I'm going to go out this season. I'm going to ball out. I feel confident in my coaching staff. I feel confident in the players around me. I feel confident, most importantly, in myself and my abilities to go out there and perform at the highest level and earn the type of contract that I think I could potentially be in store for. I want to get into this tight end room and what I think is potentially going to happen in this tight end room. So when you look at this room, you have Jake Ferguson as your tight end one, Luke Schoonmaker, we believe will probably be the tight end two, and then we have Peyton Hendershot who will be the tight end three. The thing to understand is though, the type of tight end Peyton Hendershot is, is not the type of tight end Jake Ferguson and Luke Schoonmaker are, right? Like, Peyton Hendershot is a guy that you're going to detach from the line of scrimmage, kind of like a big slot type of tight end. Uh, He's not an end line guy. He did some end line stuff uh, this past season, but that's not necessarily where I think he's going to thrive in the next level. I look at him as a more of a Mike Gusecki type to where he's just pretty much a receiver. But you have two guys that can play end line, uh, Jake and Luke Schoemaker. I'm going to give you guys a take that you guys might not like, and if you're watching this in the future and you want to correct me on this take, I hope that you're watching this after Jake Ferguson has 130 yards and two touchdowns and a Cowboys Super Bowl win. Please tell me that that happened if you're watching this in the future. I would greatly appreciate that. Which, by the way, uh, how's the future? Um, enough of that. So uh, I think that the Cowboys want Luke Schoomaker to be their tight end one. Sounds crazy. I understand I understand that. But here's the thing. I pay attention to what these guys do, not what they say. Because if you draft a tight end in the second round, that means you want this guy to be your starting tight end in the future. You don't draft a tight end two in the second round if you know you think that that's a ceiling, just a second tight end. You don't do that. I think that they want this guy to be the number one tight end on this team for years to come. And I understand he's going to start his rookie season at the age of 25. Tight ends can play until they're they're 33, 34 years old at a high level. You know, that just is what it is with the position. So I think that's something that they could potentially be looking into. I said this with the Tyron Smith situation. I looked at the contract that he signed and I'm like, guys, he's your left tackle this upcoming season. I said this before the draft. I made an Instagram video. People slandered me for it because they were like, no, there's no way Tyron Smith's going to be starting. No way Tyron Smith's going to be starting. 
He he signed a one-year contract with playtime incentives. You think that some second-round guard is going to take Tyron Smith's spot? You think they're gonna? They're, you think they're gonna kick Tyler Smith out to left tackle, put Tyron Smith on the bench with a playtime incentive for a rookie to play guard? It was never gonna happen. I didn't think it was gonna happen, which is why when they signed Tyron Smith, I said they're not drafting a, an offensive lineman in the first round. I don't see it happening. And it's kind of the same situation with Luke Schoomaker. I'm paying attention to what they do. If you draft a tight end in the second round, you're not drafting him to be your second string tight end. Or or the Cowboys could be approaching it the way I've been thinking teams should approach it. Because I've been on the belief that teams should invest more in the tight end position. And here's the reason why. Tight ends, they're mismatches, right? Especially in the receiving game, we see how important these tight ends are. If I were a GM, I would load up on tight end. You want to know why? Because look at what the top paid tight end is getting right now. I think it's probably Kelsey or Kittle or Goddard or one of those guys. I don't even think average per year they're making over $16 million. And you see how how important these guys can be. I mean, not only are they receivers, not only can they be effective receivers, but they're they could be effective blockers as well. So I always said, why don't you just get multiple tight ends and try and take advantage of the fact that teams do not have multiple guys on their team that can cover tight ends? Like, yes, there are teams that have that. But like, let's just say, for example, you have three tight ends on the field. You're playing 13 personnel. Uh, do you think teams have three guys that can effectively cover tight ends? No, they're mismatches. Take advantage of that mismatch. You're, you don't have to pay these guys as much, and they're becoming even more important in the receiving game. Look at what Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez did. You know, they were effective on that New England offense. So I've been thinking for years, why don't teams just load up a tight end and 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 have like legitimate tight end twos and tight end threes? Kind of like how now in the NFL, you have to have a legit wide receiver two on your team to even be considered a, a, an above average receiving core. So if that's what the Cowboys are trying to tap into, I'm all here for it. But when you look at Sco uh, Schoonmaker, guys, I mean, this guy is what, 6'5", 250 pounds. But when you hear people and you and, and they tell you how big this guy looks, they're like, yo, he looks like he's 270 pounds. But he moves. He, he's so nimble with his movement. I mean, this guy is an athletic is an athletic stud. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, out of 1,105 tight ends, ranks 16th on the raw athletic score uh, out of all the tight ends ever tested on that scale. That's incredible. Luke Schoonmaker has a very high ceiling, guys. Like, I look at him and I say, he could potentially be Dallas Goddard that can actually be an effective blocker. Like, I look at him and I say, yo... He has the ability to block as well as George Kittle. He does. He just flat out does. And I know that's a high uh, a, a high thing to say about him. But I, I saw this guy on tape at Michigan. I mean, that offense ran the football behind Luke Schoonmaker. And they were one of the most effective running attacks in the entire country. Right? And then when you look at his receiving potential, you hear some of the stuff that he's doing in training camp. You know, I mean, you do not get guys that are as big as him, that move as well as him, that are as strong as him. This guy's going to be a mismatch on the uh, the next level if the Cowboys are able to tap into uh, the receiving portion of his game, which I think that is there. You know, 
I mean, he's big, he's strong, but he's fast as well. How do you guard somebody like that? It's incredibly hard to do. So I think that the plans for Luke Schoomaker is for him to be the number one tight end on this team going forward. Uh, you know, I, I just think that that's what it is. And that's fine at the end of the day if he's as good as I think he could be. If I if he's Dallas Goddard that can block like George Kittle, I mean, you're talking about one of the five best tight ends in football. Like, I see that ceiling for, for Luke Schoomaker. I mean, potentially even a top three tight end if he's as good as I think he can be. So, like, when you look at him, I understand he's 25, but I still think he has a very high ceiling here, guys. So, you know, it's it's something interesting. I really hope that the Cowboys do tap into what I was saying. Invest in the tight end position. Get multiple guys at that position. Put multiple tight ends on the field. Make defenses have to cover that. Because I can tell you this. You think Philly's good in the second and third level at linebacker? You're going to be able to abuse them on the second and third levels. Uh, you think Washington's good on the second and third level? Nope. New York, nope. Those are six divisional games right there that you're playing to where I think you have a legit matchup that you can exploit. So it's a very interesting conversation what's going on in the tight end room, no doubt about it. So the Cowboys play a game on Saturday night. This was a really quick offseason, I must say. It feels like yesterday that I was incredibly disappointed after that San Francisco loss. feels like yesterday. Uh, but football is here, and uh, I'm ready, man. I'm ready, regardless if it's preseason or not. My thing is this, uh, I love the preseason. Now that I'm actually like analyzing the game, I've been doing it for the past. This is going to be my third season doing it. Uh, I have grown to love the preseason more and more every single uh, offseason that I've been really analyzing what's been going on in the preseason. Because here's the thing, right? I want you guys to remember this. It's not about the score. It's about how these players play. Pay attention to how they play. We, we I, I think the Cowboys probably lose this game because they're, I mean, they're playing against first team players because I think the Jaguars are going to play their first team guys for uh, a few series here. Um, if that's the case, I mean, you're going to have second team guys going against first team guys most likely. There's going to be some guys from the first team playing uh, during this preseason game, but I think I think the Jaguars plan on playing their entire first team. So I, I don't want people to overreact to this game. It's not about the score. It's about the performance of the players and it's about getting a gauge on where these players are. So uh, we are going to get into uh, both sides of the football and things that I want to say. So on the offense, there are four things in particular that I will be looking for. Number one is scheme. Now they're not going to give away too much. They're not going to put too much on tape because I think one advantage that the Cowboys have going into this week one matchup against the Giants is uh, the Giants have no idea what to expect when it comes to this offense. Like, obviously, yes, there are some things that uh, have been, you know, tied to McCarthy with the, you know, the slap plant concepts. Um, you know, they'll be looking over certain things like that. You know, they'll be game planning for stuff like that. But there are other things in this scheme that they're not going to be prepared for. And I would prefer if they use that during the regular season compared to the preseason. So I think you're going to see a more vanilla uh, look to this scheme per se, instead of what it's going to look like during the regular season. But I think you're going to be able to get a, a decent gauge on what this offense could look like uh, when it comes to scheme in this uh, preseason game. I'm looking for O-line depth, man. I'm looking to see what these backup offensive linemen can do. 
Um, you know, so far during training camp, we've been hearing that this is a weakness for the Cowboys, that they don't have much depth on the offensive line. And look, this is a concern for me. I think the Cowboys should address this the same way that the Eagles addressed their uh, weaknesses. They had a weakness at linebacker. Yes, they did. They did. Yeah, I know there's probably a few Eagles fans watching this. You guys had a weakness at linebacker. And you, I still think you guys have a weakness at linebacker. I don't think Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham really uh, change anything. But what did the Eagles do? They went out there and they addressed their needs by doubling down on two players that they think could potentially make the roster and be guys for them. Uh, and I think that the Cowboys should do the same thing when it comes to their offensive line. Go out there and sign multiple interior offensive linemen. Go out there and sign a backup left tackle or a backup right tackle, whatever it may be. I think I think Let's goes to backup left tackle. Go get a guy who can play on the, the right side. Go get a swing tackle. Just go get more depth on the offensive line. Because right now, I do not feel good about this offensive line depth. And to me, like if this offensive line can stay healthy, obviously, they're a really good unit. But that's a big if. These guys aren't going to... not. You're not going to get all five offensive linemen um, healthy for all 17 games. Or all 21 games. Or 20 games. Whatever it may be. You know, you have to account for the fact that these guys are going to go down. If, you, if you're if you prepared for potential injury, if potential injury occurs, you're not, you're not you know, in shambles because you've, you've prepared for this. And you've prepared for it by signing guys that can be uh, uh, quality depth pieces. But right now, the Cowboys do not have that on this roster. So, you know, they've seen it in camp. I expect that they're going to sign... Uh, a few guys here in the upcoming days. Josh Ball is not like that. Matt Forniak, he's the backup center now. He's not going to be playing uh, guard. Um, so they're going to need to find another guard. Brock Hoffman, I mean, look, showed some good things in training camp. Still has a way to go. Same thing with TJ Bass. These guys are not ready. Go get guys that can be suitable backups for you because this is... I mean, this is an important position. You know, these go, these are going to be important players. So um, I think there's still some guys out there. Dalton Reisner is a guy. Andrew Norwell from Washington is a guy that you could potentially look at uh, when it comes to backup interior offensive linemen. I'm going to be looking for these second and third running backs uh, during this game. I'm going to be looking for Dowdle, Malik Davis, Deuce Vaughn. I want to see what these guys do in this game. Now, to me, it's less about Deuce Vaughn than it is. I mean, obviously, I'm going to be watching Deuce Vaughn because the guy's just flat out exciting. But I'm going to be looking at uh, Dowdle and Davis. Now, I think both these guys make this team. I think both of them make the team. I'm not necessarily for it. I wish that they would pick one or the other um, because to me, it doesn't make sense to have four running backs on your roster i'm just not a fan of that i don't necessarily think that's the best way to go when it comes to roster construction especially because rico dowdle and mike davis are kind of the same type of running back uh hard runners you know stuff like that um i i just don't think it's the best allocation of a roster spot to give it to a guy or to give it to two running backs that are similar in skill set i understand they really like rico dowdle but you know my thing is this if you like him, then put him on the roster. Make him your number two running back and then make Deuce Vaughn your number three running back. And if you run into problems, call up a free agent running back. You know, I think that there are better ways to go about this than to keep two guys or, or to keep four running backs and two guys with the same skill set. It, it's just not necessarily something that I uh, 
I would like for the Cowboys to do. I'm going to be looking at these bottom of the depth chart wide receivers. So I'm going to be looking for Tolbert, Kevontae Turpin, Jalen Brooks, um, Simi Fioko is another guy I'll be looking out for. I want to see which one of these guys really separates themselves. Now, I think I already have an idea of what the depth chart's going to look like. I think you're going to have Tolbert as your number four receiver. I think you're going to have Kevontae Turpin as your number five receiver. And I think it's going to be a battle for that number six receiver uh, between Jalen Brooks, Jalen Marino Cropper and Semi Fioco. Maybe they keep seven receivers. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't think they do, but it's I think there's potential that they could. So, you know, that's going to be a spot to look out for um, as well. You know, it's I, I'm excited to see Jalen Tolbert out there. I can tell you that out of all the guys, I understand Jalen Brooks has been having a good training camp. I understand that Kevontae Turpin has some uh, exciting traits that could potentially be put on display. But Jalen Tolbert, to me, when I look at what he did at South Alabama, that's some good tape he put on film. That's some damn good tape that he has out there. And if we can get that guy on this team, man, I mean, that's going to be, that's huge for the Cowboys' future. Because I I think Jalen Tolbert, if he reaches the potential that I thought that he had um, last offseason, you know, I I didn't think he was going to reach his full potential his rookie season because no player really ever does. Unless you're Ezekiel Elliott. Um, but, you know, to me, like I look at Jalen Torbert as a guy who can be um, in that T. Higgins type of way. Like that's the potential that I had for like, like that I saw for him uh, when he was coming into the league. Maybe he could still reach that potential. I don't know, um, but I did have uh, high hopes for Tolbert, and he just didn't reach them his rookie year. But uh, that's why he's got to put on the pads and and show it uh, on the field this preseason and this upcoming season. So that's what I'm going to be looking for on the offense. When it comes to the defense, there's going to be four things that I'm going to be looking out for. It's going to start with the linebackers. Can we find more depth at linebacker? To me, I think that there are some guys on this roster, some young guys that I think could be very critical depth pieces at that position this upcoming season. To me, I think that, you know, your two best linebackers, just off-ball linebackers, are Van Der Esch and Damone Clark. And I think they need to find one more of these guys for me to really feel uh, good about this position going into this season. I think that there's guys that have the potential to step up. I look at guys like Jabril Cox, DeMarvian Overshone, and Devin Harper. Like They have some young guys in that room that I think could be uh, pieces for this team this upcoming season. So I'm going to be looking out for that big time. More so, like I know what to expect from Van Der Esch. I think Clark, I'm going to be looking out for Clark just because, you know, I'm a big fan of what that guy could potentially be. I think that he could be one of the best off-ball linebackers in the game one day. That's just what I think about the guy. I think he has a very high ceiling. Once, You know, I talked about it on my last podcast. The only thing that I want to see him get better at is reading and reacting. If he's able to do that and really tap into the mental side of the game, he already has uh, tremendous physical gifts. So, you know, this guy has the potential to be one of the best in the game. No doubt about it. But I look at these other guys, Overshone, what is he going to bring to this team this upcoming season? Is he going to be able to play a role on this team? I think that he can. I think this is another guy that has a lot of potential, a lot of potential. Um, You know, Jabril Cox is a guy that, you know, Mike McCarthy was even quoted by saying he's back, you know, to what he was, you know, even though what he was his rookie season was a special teams guy who showed some flashes on defense, but uh, maybe that means, hey, you know, we feel good about Jabril Cox because you remember last season when it came to Jabril Cox, 
they weren't really saying much about this guy. And then when the season came around and they had problems at linebacker, he didn't even touch the field. So, you know, I think that this was a guy that they saw potential in. They didn't necessarily feel comfortable putting him on the field last year. I think they're going to be more comfortable putting him on the field this year. And this is what I say about this team all the time. Uh, There's a lot of people who think we can be really good this upcoming season, but they're judging the talent that they know on this team that we already have. They're not taking into account because they, I, I don't blame the national media people for not knowing who Jabril Cox is and even who Damone Clark is, some of them. Because, I mean, these are guys that didn't make like big impacts or anything in the league so far. But, man, if these guys like Clark and Cox and, and an Overshone and some of these other guys on the team can really take that step forward, not only are you accounting for the guys that you already have that are proven talents that I think uh, make this team, uh, or like even if just these proven talents, if the team stays what they were last season, but you add a guy like Stefan Gilmore and Brandon Cooks to your team, that's going to make your team, I think, much better um, because they did fill the holes that they had on this roster. You know, so again, we're a lot of people are judging, and even myself included, based off the proven talent that they have on this team. They're, we're not taking into account the fact that there's young guys on this team that can take that step forward. And a few of them uh, are in this linebacker room. Like I just said, Clark, Cox, uh, Overshown, potentially even a Devin Harper. Uh, Malik Jefferson is a guy we have to look out for as well. So that's going to be an interesting thing to look out for. Neville Gallimore versus Belhanna. I think that this is the competition in the defensive tackle room. And I know it doesn't really make sense because Neville Gallimore is a three-tech and Bohanna is a one-tech. But I think that they're going to look at, okay, uh, who does their job better? Is Neville better at pa- uh, rushing the passer than Bohanna? Is it stopping the run? Who does uh, what better? And I think that Bohanna is going to ultimately win this job just because I think that they have, I think they have legitimate plans for Bohanna. Maybe he's not a starter, but I, I he's, he's definitely not a starter. Um, but I think that they do have him in certain packages. Let's just say they do a five-man front. Um, and this is the thing, right? Like with keeping Bohanna, you know, again, you have to build your team to beat the teams in the division. So when you have a guy like Bohanna in there, certain packages that he's going to be involved in when Philly wants to do that quarterback sneak that they do. All right, we're going to put Mozzie Smith, Bohanna, Jonathan Hankins on the line of scrimmage. Like those are going to be three guys that we have in there. I just think that there's more things. Like let's just say you're you're playing a team that runs the football effectively. You can play those five-man fronts with Bohanna and and Smith and Hankins. And, you know, I think that there's more things that Bohanna provides to this team. And I think there's more packages that he's going to be involved with compared to a guy like Neville Gallimore. You look at Neville Gallimore, he's a really good passer. Or he's not a really good pass rusher, but he's he makes his bones off being a pass rusher. He was a really good pass rusher in college. That's what he was known for. Um, but in the NFL, he hasn't been that. Like, he hasn't been that. Like, he's known... That's what he's known for, and that's not what he's been in the NFL. He gets blown off the ball way too often, especially in the run game. He gets pushed back. When he goes up against double teams, it's not necessarily a a fight for the uh, offensive linemen. So um, to me, Neville Gallimore, the packages he's going to be involved with, rushing the passer, but you already have Osa. And even with Mozzie Smith, right? Like you see his get off when he's rushing the passer compared to when he doesn't know if he's rushing the passer or defending the run, you know, Mozzie Smith looks, I I think looks more comfortable right now in camp so far rushing the passer 
because you know there's a difference between uh, uh, getting off the ball when you're rushing the passer and getting off the ball when you're uh, when you don't know if it's a, a pass or if it's a run. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a difference between the two. So um, I think that there's more guys that can do what Neville can do. Uh, and granted, there's guys who can do what Bohanna can do. But again, I think that there are certain packages that Bohanna is going to be involved with that I think will ultimately be the reason why he makes this team. And if they decide to uh, take a guy out of this defensive uh, tackle room that we've seen from years past, I think it's probably going to be Gallimore. Uh, Kelvin Joseph versus Nishan Wright. Now, this is interesting to me because I think Nishan Wright is the better corner. But I think Kelvin Joseph... Uh, provide something on special teams that Nishan Wright doesn't provide. Like Kelvin Joseph is a good special teams player. I think he gets a little, he's starting to get a little overrated in that aspect. Um, but I don't think Kelvin is as good of a corner as Nishan Wright is. So it's going to come down to that. Is there that big of a difference between Nishan Wright and Kelvin Joseph to say, hey, forget about the special teams contributions that Kelvin Joseph can give us. Nishan Wright is that much better and we need to be prepared for if a cornerback goes down and we need depth at that position. Now, I don't think Nishan Wright is that much better than Calvin Joseph, but I'm just saying, I'm just putting that out there. Maybe he took a step forward this offseason. You never know. Uh, Eric Scott Jr. is a guy I'm going to be looking out for, another one of those cornerbacks. This is a guy that they've been speaking very highly of, and uh, I think that there's some merit to the praise that he's been receiving. I mean, this is a guy that the Cowboys traded up for in the draft. They traded a future pick to go grab this guy, and... Uh, so far in camp, he's been making a name for himself. You know, even on the um, the Pivot podcast that Micah Parsons did, uh, I, it was somebody because I listened to the the audio version. I didn't I didn't watch the video version, but somebody brought up thirty seven, who is Eric Scott. So even people who aren't watching this team intently, uh, you know, recognize that this guy could potentially be a player for this team. Um, not this year. I don't think it's going to be this year. Maybe not even next year either. But in the future, I think this guy could potentially be a really good corner for this team. So I'll be looking out for him as well. That's going to be it for the episode, though, guys. Thank you for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. Um, if you guys haven't already, if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure to hit that like button. Make sure to subscribe. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you may be listening to this at, make sure to follow the show. Make sure to leave a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate both of those things. And it's Friday, guys. The weekend is here. The TGIF, cheers to the weekend, whatever you, finally Friday. Uh, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a very good mood. You know, we have, you know, I don't have much planned for this weekend, which is always a great thing. It's always a great thing when you don't have, when you don't have much planned for the weekend. I went down the shore last weekend and, and I just, I, I, I did not want to do it. I kind of enjoy being at home and just, you know, working on the, the page, working on the channel, uh, improving in that aspect, relaxing. You know, I work very hard throughout the week. I do this, I go to the gym and I, uh, and I work a full-time job as well. So, um, uh, busy schedule to say the least, but, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for the episode though, guys. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. I hope you guys enjoy this game and we will be breaking it all down on Saturday, uh, or not Saturday, uh, Monday, I'm sorry. Um, and I'll probably be going through the all 22. I, I think I'm hoping to get the all 22 on Saturday. I hope to have some, you know, film breakdowns of this particular game up on the channel by Monday. So, uh, yeah. I will see you guys later. And again, enjoy your weekend. Thank you for listening to the Cowboys Beat Audio Podcast. Please make sure to follow the show and leave a review. We'll We'll see see you next time time on the Cowboys Cowboys Beat Beat Audio Audio Podcast. Podcast.